0: the past several months, Democrats have had a lot to freak out about, and boy, have they. Their impeachment failed. Donald Trump raised millions of dollars off of the impeachment, saw his, his approval rating rise. He's had major court victories. And then Bernie Sanders started dominating the Democratic primary. So yeah, it's been a bit a, a bit chaotic, to say the least. Well, once again, Democrats are freaking out. And I, and I kind of hate to say it because I talk about this a lot But you got to see some of these quotes in this story from the Hill. Democratic fears rise again as coronavirus pushes Biden to the sidelines. I mean, they're cussing over this. Donald Trump's on TV getting killer ratings. His approval rating has just reached a new record high. But wait, I'm not talking about yesterday's. That's right. Yesterday, I mentioned that Donald Trump's approval rating in the aggregate was higher than it's ever been, according to Politics. And today, with new polls added, it is even higher. Donald Trump is on TV reassuring Americans and Joe Biden is nowhere to be found. And when he does appear, he mutters and mumbles incoherently. In fact, one network chose to air Cuomo instead of the presumptive presidential nominee for the Democrats. But I'll tell you what, the media's attempt to protect Joe Biden is laughable. But boy, are they doing it now? I I, I don't want to be, you know, I I don't want to exaggerate. There are many outlets that are calling out Biden especially progressive outlets. But there are some articles that pop up that just make me laugh. They are desperately trying to make it seem like Joe Biden is doing something. Who's his vice presidential pick gonna be? Nobody knows or cares, man. You got record ratings for Donald Trump and his approval ratings through the roof. I think we're done here. Donald Trump is gonna sweep in November and the media can try all they like, but there is still a last resort. Why? Yes, the media is loving Andrew Cuomo, who's been doing these press briefings during the global pandemic. And now there's talk of drafting him. The New York Times writes a puff piece. But something interesting is happening here as well. You see, the media can't keep pretending that Cuomo is very different from Trump because they've been saying a lot of the same things. And now people are starting to wise up. Namely, progressives are calling out Andrew Cuomo for essentially saying the same things as Trump, but the media gives him a pass. Why is that? Because the people in media are Democratic activists. Let's be honest. They know Joe Biden's out. They're trying to puff him up. But the reality is they need someone else. I don't think it's going to be Cuomo. I think Trump's got this one in the bag. You got to see his approval rating, man. This is nuts. For the first time ever in the ABC News Washington Post poll, Trump is above the uh, his positive. He's two points positive. That's that's crazy. So let's take a look. They've They've tried claiming it's bad news for the president. Nah, it's good news. The polls are biased. But let's see. Before we get started, Head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are several ways you can give. The best thing you can do, share this video. I'm not entirely convinced everyone will want to hear it, but hey, the news is the news, and I'm going to show you these sources to back up what I have to say. But make sure you subscribe to this channel and hit the notification bell because YouTube doesn't notify everybody. And often they suppress my videos, derank, demonetize, all that stuff. So if you really want to make sure you get these videos, then subscribe and hit the like button if if you would be inclined. The Hill says Democrats are growing increasingly anxious that Joe Biden is losing ground to President Trump as the nation deals with an unprecedented national crisis in the pandemic. This uh, pandemic story has shoved the Democratic presidential primary race out of the headlines, just as the former vice president was seeking to pivot to the general election. It has made it easier for Bernie Sanders to stay in the primary fight as there was less pressure from the media and Democrats for him to get out with the focus on the pandemic. At the same time, it's made it more difficult for Biden to get his message out. I'm sorry. Biden's difficulty getting his message out has to do with him having no message, and it has to do with him not being able to speak properly. But let's read on. Energy and enthusiasm that was surging towards the Biden campaign. What? On Super Tuesday has largely devolved into a national angst over a damaged economy and a swiftly rising number of uh, coronavirus cases and deaths. Democrats already deeply worried about losing a second presidential election to Trump have seen their fears grow higher. And some of them are pointing fingers at Biden and his campaign, who they say need to do a better job of getting Biden's message out nationally. What were you thinking nominating this guy? Man, I tell you, quote, it's the perfect cocktail of an S storm. I can't swear. We keep it family friendly. One Democratic strategist put it, hey, but the Democrats are swearing a pandemic no one expected, a horrible president at the helm, and a repeat of the 2016 primary with a candidate doing damage to his own party. No one wants to be the a-hole that sounds the alarm, but it's pretty bad. Well, to get him swearing, I gotta say, must be right, must be true. The pandemic has put even greater spotlight on Trump, who has become a central player in the daily briefings on his administration's coronavirus response. Trump's actions, as always, have divided the public. He's come under criticism in recent days for suggesting much of the country could reopen for business by Easter Sunday, April 12th, a time frame many public health experts say seems optimistic at best. But let me stop you right there, The Hill. This is coming from media pundits who are propping up Cuomo in Biden. So no, I won't take their comments seriously when the majority of the American people in the aggregate like what Trump is doing. And around the time Trump said we need to get back to work, his polls skyrocketed because Americans are paying attention. As my buddy Adam from the Timcast IRL podcast put it, all of these people are unemployed and at home, they're laid off. So they have nothing nothing to do but to watch the news and see what Trump has to say. And they're seeing the media lie. Sorry, pundits, no one's buying it anymore. They say, yet polls have shown that a majority of the public approves of Trump's management of the crisis so far, something the administration has pointed to. Biden, meanwhile, has not even been the most prominent Democrat on the crisis. That spotlight has gone to New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, who is dealing with the epicenter of the US crisis in his state. It is the it is only the end of March, with the general election still more than seven months away. And some Democrats say their party is falling victim once again to perpetual worrying. Democrats are constantly panicked and riddled with anxiety. I am not, said Democratic strategist Michael Trujillo. "Okay, I'm gonna stop right there. I've got a ton of videos where I'm saying Democrats panic, right? And I got to admit, I'm like, is this really happening? Like, how could this be every day a new story pops up in the media about some Democratic Party member freaking out or the party freaking out? They said it, not me. Democratic strategists said they are constantly panicked and, and riddled with anxiety. Dude, Trump is going to landslide. He noted that while Trump's approval ratings are at their highest level in three years, you mean for his entire presidency? A Gallup poll out this week showed that 49% approve of the job he's doing as president, while 45% disapprove. They still seem low for a president handling a national crisis. Give it time. I'm not kidding. Give it time. At such times, Americans often rally around their leader. This guy says, in a normal crisis, Trump would be at 70 plus approval. The fact that Trump and his cronies are celebrating the numbers they have today don't understand that the post- The post-mortem coronavirus stories will be hitting his campaign at the same time. A well-rested and fully funded Vice President Biden is bringing it to him hard, he said. This is perfect for us. Nice try, buddy. Nobody's buying it. The American people appreciate what he's doing. And if this does extend, they will keep approving of him. Other Democrats are stressed that Biden is sidelined. In a normal campaign year and under normal circumstances, Joe Biden right now would be the spokesperson for the Democratic Party said Democratic strategist Joel Payne, who worked for Hillary Clinton. But this is no normal time, and the Democratic nomination process seems frozen in place. What complicates matters further is that the coronavirus pandemic has prevented traditional campaigning and taken up up all of the oxygen in the media echo chamber. Republicans have seized on the absence with frequent emails and comments asking, where's Joe? Biden this week sought to break through the noise, setting up a camera in his Wilmington, Delaware basement and speaking directly to voters. He also made an appearance by live stream on The View and did interviews with CNN and MSNBC. And this is where it gets really sad when the media is trying to prop this guy up. Enough, enough, man. This guy is he's not doing anything for anybody right now. It's over. But of course, they'll try. On Thursday night, he appeared in ABC's Jimmy Kimmel Live in what was billed, in as, billed as an abbreviated quarantine digital edition of the late night show. He also held a virtual press conference with reporters this week where he attacked Trump for wanting to reopen businesses around Easter. He signaled he wanted to move on to the general election, dismissing the idea of another debate with Sanders. I think we've had enough debate, Biden told reporters, all quarantined in their own homes. I think we should get on with this. Democratic strategist Jim Manley said Biden finds himself in tricky terrain right now. My hope is that he's going to raise his visibility to show the contrast with Trump. Referring to Sanders, Manley said he should do the right thing and step aside, but it's clear that's not going to happen. Well, I think you get the point. They say, asked about the campaign's current playbook, a Democratic donor summed up, it's not great. At the same time, keeping Biden out of the news cycle has its, uh, also has its advantages. But to the extent this is a strategy It's a strategy of letting Trump bury himself. Avoiding unforced errors is not a bad one, the donor added. If he were a commanding speaker and not prone to gaffes, I'd advise differently. It's kind of sad how desperate they are. They're saying let Trump keep making mistakes. The American people don't think he's making mistakes. Who are you trying to convince? They're trying to convince a lot of people. Here's the New York Times opinion piece. What Joe Biden can do. Three options on the politics of the coronavirus. Offer sharp, fresh criticism. He can name a shadow cabinet and he can ignore the criticism and don't try to grab the spotlight. That's right. Joe Biden has a chance. Well, let me tell you, New York Times, you can give him all the advice in the world, but there is no better advice than what the Atlantic offered up. Joe Biden, stay alive. Excellent campaign strategy I might add. Now, I'll pause because we'll be a bit you know humorous here, but I, I, I hope Joe, Joe Biden stays healthy and well for sure. no, I don't want to wish you know you know illness or anything on anybody. I, I think Joe Biden shouldn't be in the race, but I certainly hope he remains healthy. I mean, these are times where people are getting sick and you know older people are more are more susceptible and more more vulnerable. so for sure. But come on, take a look at this story from the Atlantic. Democrats need little from the front runner beyond his corporeal presence. Is that the best you can muster? Barack Obama had hope and change. Joe Biden has vote for me. I'm still alive. That's it. Okay. If, if you if you're not gonna if you're a Democrat and you're not freaking out about this. I don't know what to tell you, man, because this is not there. So I can't remember. Uh, someone said this on Twitter. They're literally trying to run a nobody against Donald Trump. Donald Donald Trump is 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 smashing the, the, his his ratings, his approval ratings. You're gonna run a body, a guy, just because he's alive. Man, spare me! But of course, they do want to. They, they do want to blame Bernie Sanders. Why can't Bernie accept that Democratic voters voters didn't want him? Well, Bernie's got an opportunity to win. Still, I mean, come on, what's Joe Biden doing? But let's take a look at uh, how the media is coming for Trump. I love this one. CNN. Oh, you know they hate to admit it. President Trump is as popular as he's ever been right now. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean? He's as popular as he's ever been. He's more popular than ever. His approval rating is higher than ever. But no, CNN will, will single out the one poll where it shows him reaching a tie and then say, but in this one poll, he's only as pop- popular as he's ever been. Yeah, because they know they have to address the fact that the American people like the president. You are losing grip on the public. These, I, I, I wonder at what point the media is going to just capitulate and say, Most people like the president. So that's the narrative we'll accept. Because I don't trust them to have principles. They're only saying the things they're saying because they think most Americans hate the president. Chris Saliza for CNN says, here's an indisputable fact. President Donald Trump is as popular today as he has been since his first day in office. Now, I'm going to stop you right there, buddy. I can dispute that fact. Trump is more popular today. And he was so back in August, according to the New York Times. We'll get to that. He mentions that a new Gallup poll, Trump's approval rating is 49%, which is a tie for his highest. He then goes on to talk about, you know, Trump's management of the crisis, has shown people people like what he's doing. 60% of Americans approve of the job he's doing. But he does go on to add like, you know, criticisms of Trump and trying to mislead. This seems to me like CNN begrudgingly having to cover this story. It would be weird if they didn't mention it, right? The reality is Trump is absolutely crushing it. The other day I showed you that Trump's approval rating was 47, 47%. His disapproval was uh, around 49.5. Now his disapproval is still higher, but this is the highest it's ever been. And as of today, with the release of a new ABC News Washington poll, Donald Trump's approval rating has once again climbed way higher at 47.3. This story back in August 7th, 2019, Don't assume Trump's approval rating can't climb higher. It already has. Millions of Americans who did not like the president in 2016 now say they do. They don't get it. They don't get it, man. Trump Trump has been doing better and better throughout his entire presidency. The economy is a major issue for people, and they're having it better than ever. And no one blames him for this. Now, uh, Silliza over at CNN brings this up, that there's a couple reasons why this may be happening. And one of them is no one blames the president for the for the economic downturn and they're hoping he'll do anything they're hoping that he'll do his best regardless of if it works i honestly believe that's correct i don't want to i don't want to say that the cnn article is the worst article but come on guys give the dude credit Amer- americans are happy with the job trump is doing we can see it in the polls every single day this is incredible stuff but i think what we're seeing is as I mentioned earlier, people are at home, unemployed, watching the news, listening to the president record. These, these TV ratings are smash hit. They see the media lie. But what they really see is a president who's trying to offer up optimism and hope. We're going to get you all back working. We're going to help you. We're going to get the stimulus package to you. The overwhelming majority of Americans, Democrat and Republican alike, want this stimulus check. And Trump said, we will get this to you. He also offered up hope with some clinical trials for potential treatments and the media attacked him for it. You see, they thought they could get away with it this time because they've done it so often, taking Trump out of context and smearing him. But the American people got nothing better to do than watch the news. So when it comes to Trump's approval his, and, and his handling of the coronavirus, I know I've shown you this in the past couple of days, but, it, but I got to show you that it keeps going up right now. 50.6% of people approve of the job Donald Trump is doing. And this includes polls from back on the 13th and the 11th. If you get rid of those, he is way above water. And this is nuts. But when a time of, when a, when a time of crisis hits, you can see that people actually, they actually care. They want to know what the president is doing to help them. And it's so easy to complain about Trump's attitude in his potty mouth. We can look at his favorability, actually. It's really easy to say, I don't like that guy when you're not dealing with a crisis. His favorability has ticked upward a little bit, but you know what this shows Trump's favorability floats around the same place. Meaning it's a lot of people who just don't like the guy, but they approve of the job he is doing right now more so than they care about who he is as a person. Trump might not win anyone over, but as Trump himself said, and I believe I could be, par- I'm paraphrasing. I could be wrong, but he said something like, I'm a mean guy, but I work for you. And right now, more than ever, It actually matters to a lot of people, especially when we're dealing with, as I know I've said it a lot, but it really is important. April 1st is coming. Rent checks will be missed, and the next wave of industry will be shuttered by the collapse of our economy. So Trump is working to get that kick started. Now, of course, you may have seen the news where they, as I mentioned earlier, they're propping up Andrew Cuomo, sidelining Joe Biden. But people are starting to question, wait a minute, Andrew Cuomo touted the same treatment plan, as Donald Trump. How come nobody blamed him for that? Andrew Cuomo was delaying the shutdown in New York. Where was the criticism? I th- they criticized Trump for the same thing, not taking it seriously soon enough. Andrew Cuomo, he wants to reopen the economy. Same as Trump. Where is the media to drag this guy? Well, it's starting to emerge. The Columbia Journalism Review has this story. Glowing coverage of Cuomo also raises difficult questions. I would like to end off with this story because if the Democrats are freaking out now about Joe Biden's potential and they're betting on a plan B with Cuomo, it seems that progressive media is starting to understand Cuomo is not a saint either and that he is ripe for attack as well because the progressives want Bernie Sanders. So, Columbia Journalism Review is more of a progressive outlet, they've published some fake news in the past but here they are going after Cuomo. Now, I must, I must admit, I must point out, a lot of this really is, it, it's complimentary to the man, to say the least. They go on to talk about how there's all this really, really great coverage, but they say something interesting. Cuomo is, give, giving, Cuomo is giving a lot of these journalists access, and they don't want to jeopardize that access by criticizing him. They know if they call him out, he's gonna, there's going to be a phone call to their news organization, and someone's going to get cut off. They can't have that. So this is access journalism. Say good things. They say reporters who write critically of Cuomo know they can expect an angry administration phone call, not usually on the record. Before and after publication, I've personally been cursed out by Cuomo's aides. While this tactic to an outsider may seem alienating, it's a savvier approach to take because journalists prize engagement. They want to know the press office is responsive in some way. And Cuomo aides are known for answering emails and phone calls quickly, even if they find the line of questioning hostile, they go to war without scorching the earth. So th- now now we get to the juicy stuff. None of this should excuse the media writ large from taking a more critical approach to Cuomo's handling of the pandemic. There have been relatively few questions since he initially dismissed de Blasio's call for a shelter in place policy for New York City, only to implement uh, almost exactly what the mayor asked for several days later. On Monday, March 16th, Cuomo said he would not impose a requirement similar to San Francisco's, which called for people to stay in home, stay home as much as possible and close most businesses. A top Cuomo administration official said there was no consideration of de Blasio's shelter in place policy. But by Sunday, March 22nd, a statewide order from Cuomo known as PAUSE was doing just that. Cuomo drew drew praise. For his decisiveness. That's right. The media propped him up when he downplayed this. What did he say? He said something like, get real, Bill, or something. He's like, get with it, Bill, to Bill de Blasio. We are not shutting this down. It will not happen. And guess what? The New York City Democrats, they were the ones going on TV saying, go out and go party. And now we wonder why New York is doing so miserably. Bad leadership. Look, in these times, I will give my support to the best of my ability to the president and to Cuomo as it pertains to, the, to, to this pandemic. I'm not necessarily a fan of either. That's, that's neither here nor there. The issue at hand is they need to succeed. But Andrew Cuomo, for all of the, the, the puff pieces about him, has said numerous things, the same as the president. They say, most importantly, the same question must be act of Cuomo that journalists are rightly demanding of Trump. Why weren't you more prepared? New York is a global city. The virus was ravaging China in January and was likely to reach the five boroughs. Why wasn't the state of New York ready to enact harsher policies, closing down schools, businesses, and major gathering places when the first COVID-19 case appeared on March 1st? Why in January didn't New York plan for these inevitable closures, informing parents schools might close and businesses couldn't operate normally? Why was the severity of COVID-19 denied with Cuomo succumbing to public pressure to enact tough measures when it was effectively too late. Why is a governor being praised for his leadership skills when a shelter in place order came 22 days after the first coronavirus case? Why is New York City the next northern Italy? These these are the kinds of questions that will take more than a PowerPoint slide to answer. Bravo, good sir. It's about time someone in the media called this guy out. Cuomo, not sure if closing all businesses, keeping everyone home was the best public health strategy. Boy, sounds a bit like Donald Trump. But is the media going to call him out? They are not. They're going to keep singing his praises. Now, of course, they're tearing into Bill de Blasio. Bill de Blasio let everyone down. The Intelligencer writes, or I'm sorry, this is David Friedlander for the New New York Mag Intelligencer. When New York needed him most, Bill de Blasio had his worst week as mayor. Cuomo is getting some flack right now. I'm surprised. He's made, a, he's made many missteps. I'm not going to sit here and screech in his face. I'm not going to sit here and screech in Trump's face either. Just please, guys, get the job done. I know no one's perfect, and hindsight is 2020. The answer to those questions about why he didn't do a better job, same goes for him and everyone else, including the media. Hindsight is 2020. We didn't know, and we, we could have and should have done better. And maybe we'll do it next time. I don't know. Humans have short memories, unfortunately. But the Democrats themselves are facing one of their worst weeks ever. Bill de Blasio is getting torn up in the media. Now some outlets are starting to question Cuomo, who's their new shining star. Joe Biden, nowhere to be seen. And more importantly, Donald Trump's approval rating is breaking records. To be above water for the first time in the ABC News, Washington Post poll is serious because both those outlets tend not to like the guy. This has been a very, very bad, bad week for Democrats, one of their worst. And it's about time we stopped making it about partisanship. We had Nancy Pelosi and Schumer want to inject a bunch of provisions into the stimulus bill. This triggered one Republican to say, "No, we're going to do a record vote on this because I don't agree with what they've put into it." The Democrats delayed the stimulus to the American people. Now it could be too late. They have done nothing but burn burn everything to the ground. They're 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 incoherent. They're fighting among themselves. Trump on the other hand is just doing better and better, and the American people can see it. We'll see what happens come November, but more importantly, I guess we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. I hope, I hope the best for everybody. I hope everyone stays healthy. I hope we get through this one and the economy recovers. I'm concerned about what happens in the next week, but we will see. I'll leave it there. Thanks for hanging out. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCastNews. It is a different channel, and I will see you all there. April 1st is around the corner, and if people don't have money to pay rent, there will be a destructive shockwave rippling through our economy, worse, potentially worse. Then we saw with the initial shutdown of the service and retail industries, people can't pay rent, rental management companies, lenders, insurance companies, maintenance, malls. They can't employ their their staff without that cash. So we're going to see a major rippling effect, damaging the economy even worse. So we need to get the stimulus package passed now. But Ocasio-Cortez is outraged because the stimulus package doesn't include cash payments to illegal immigrants. Why should it? I don't know. Now, it is a bit more complicated than this because you could technically argue that AOC is also demanding that foreign investors get access to our stimulus package. I'm not exaggerating. I think AOC was trying to come out in a way demanding cash payments for illegal immigrants, but she couldn't say that, right? Because if she went on Twitter and said, I demand illegal immigrants get access to our money, people would revolt. So she said people with ITIN numbers. These are tax numbers for the IRS for people who are typically not citizens, but the two primary groups that are involved in receiving ITIN numbers are illegal immigrants and foreign investors. Just say it, dude. You want people who are not citizens to get access to our stimulus package when it's already going to massively increase the debt per family. Now, because of this, we're actually seeing a Republican, Thomas Massey, demanding a recorded vote or, or for now. So you got all of, he, he might want to recorded vote. We'll see what happens. But all of these House lawmakers are now rushing back to DC because we got to get this bill passed. You know, man, I'm sure the bill's got bad stuff in it. I am sure it does. There, you know, there's people complaining about uh, a provision, page 781, that guarantees 25 million for congressional salaries and expenses. Now, some members of the House have pushed back saying this is to expand techn- uh, the, uh, the technological abilities for teleconferencing so that people can work from home or remotely. Whatever. Some people have said it's about them getting salary raises. It doesn't directly say raise. But anyway, the point is, I'm sure the bill's not perfect, man. I can tell you this. We're between a rock and a hard place. Nancy Pelosi's bill is insane. And she's probably going to try and push that forward in the next session with the next stimulus because this one's not going to be enough. Now we can thank the Democrats for blocking it as long as we have. And I'm, you know, I think Thomas Mass is all right guy for, I don't know a whole lot about him, but it's now really the time. No, nah. I'm going to, if I threw shade at AOC for wanting to do the same thing, I do not think it's appropriate for this guy to be doing the same thing either because April 1st is coming. This is going to be, you know, the dominoes are falling down. The support columns for our economy are crumbling. Now is not the time. It's important to talk about what's in it. It's important to call it out. Maybe you can do something to, to change some of these provisions or, or pull them back later. I don't know, man. But I can tell you this. AOC wants to give non-citizens access to our stimulus package, which is already dangerous. $2 trillion jammed into the economy is not going to be a good thing for anyone. Already, we're seeing stories that goods at supermarkets like milk, bread, and eggs skyrocketing. 30% increases due to the insane demand. What do you think going to happen? when people can't pay their rent. Oh, it's going to be amazing when people aren't working, and then we dump money to the economy. Remember which country did that? Venezuela? Now, I can't tell you all the nitty gritty details of how, you know, them printing money like morons resulted in the destruction of their economy, because there are a lot of things involved in the destruction of their economy. It'll be a little different here because we're giving people cash, and we're still trying to rely on some free market functions, So it may work out better. But I think it's possible we'll see massive inflation. So would it be appropriate to increase the $2 trillion to $2.5 trillion or more or whatever because illegal immigrants aren't getting access to our money? No, that makes no sense. It's bad enough we're doing $2 trillion. But again, April 1st is a coming. So like I said, AOC is trying to weasel her way around this one, in my opinion. Check this out. The Daily Mail says, Ocasio-Cortez has lashed out Republicans because the $2 trillion stimulus bill does not include direct payments to taxpayers without a social security number including people living in the U.S. illegally. To clarify, $1,200 checks are only going to some with social security numbers, not immigrants with tax IDs. tens the freshman Democrat from New York, wrote in a tweet on Thursday. I, I hate how they do this. They, they, they conflate immigrant and illegal immigrant. There's a difference. Some people waited in line, took a test, got approved, did everything right, and have come here and joined our community with love and respect. Others were seeking fast economic gain or access to resources and came through illegally. I have sympathy to those who are desperate and want to improve their lives. You betcha. But there are people who did everything they could to come here legally, and it's not easy. And we have this for a reason, especially right now. When we're dealing with a global pandemic, we need to get a hold on what's happening with our borders. We cannot have a million plus people pouring in, especially, listen, man, you're going to get me really angry. Our hospitals are overloading. We cannot just keep pulling people into a sinking ship. Could you imagine you're on a boat? You spring a leak and you got these people panicking saying, we need to start bailing water. And you say, hey, hey, why don't we let all those people on the boat too? We're going to sink faster, man. How about we secure our ship before we start letting other people on? Now, while we're sinking, once we get rid of a bunch of that water, we do let people in. But for the time being, not only do we have an economic crisis, we have a health care crisis, and you're talking about giving cash to people, to immigrants. Now you're talking about illegal immigrants, dude. I'm, I'm going to show you the, it's like you, you go to Wikipedia, they, they break it down for you. She said, thanks to GOP, these checks will, will be cut off the backs of tax paying immigrants who get nothing. Many are essential workers who pay more taxes than Amazon, she continued. That's just insane. The argument about Amazon not paying taxes is about like a a corporate tax rate. And it's very, very, I don't know, nearsighted. Amazon does pay taxes. They pay like employment taxes and property taxes and a bunch of other taxes. But people are typically talking about at the end of the year with their profits, how much they pay in taxes and their tax incentives. And there are its general tax structure that allows them to get past this. So depending on which person you talk to, they're meaning they, they, they mean two different things. So no. When a company like Amazon pays billions upon billions in employer t- employee taxes and you know property taxes and other kinds of taxes, it's not the same as corporate tax on profits, but they're still paying taxes, let's be real. They say the Internal Revenue Service issues ITINS, ITINs, to taxpayers who are ineligible for a social security number, mostly, though not exclusively, because they are present in the country illegally. U.S. citizens, legal permanent residents, and those with an immigrant work visa are all eligible for Social Security numbers for tax purposes. However, unauthorized immigrants can and do file taxes, leaving immigrant advocates outraged that they will not receive cash payments under the stimulus bill. Man, this is this is nuts. This is what you have created, the Democrats, the far left ones who want open borders. I remember 10 years ago when they were saying we got to get a hold on you know our borders and get security. And that was Bernie Sanders. I remember last year when Bernie Sanders says we can't open the borders. We've got too many poor people. Now you have created your surf class. Congratulations, you lunatic authoritarians. We cannot afford the stimulus package now. It's insane. It's like six trillion dollars. It's two from the direct relief and, uh, uh, from, from Congress and this bill. And then we have the Fed dumping in four trillion in lending power and credit. It is going to drive up inflation. It is not good to just rapidly print money. We're in serious trouble right now. More unemployment claims now than ever before. 3.3 million in like one week. And it's going to go up again, especially like I pointed out April 1st. And you want us to cut checks for people who aren't citizens. They shouldn't be here in the first place. They can come. I'm totally on board with all immigration. I've said it before. Everyone in the world, you are welcome to come to America legally. You go through a process. There's a line. We do this for a reason to protect them, to protect us. I have personally experienced what happens to countries that do not get a hold on proper immigration. They create ghettos and suffering and poverty. I'm not exaggerating. When countries just let people come in and do whatever they want, they form segmented enclaves because that's what people do. And we need to make sure that when people come in, we can protect them and everyone else. Not because any of these people are evil. I, I think most of these people just want a better life. And I totally respect it. America is awesome. But we want to make sure they're not wandering through 90 miles of open desert and dying face down in a ditch. We have to we, we, we have to have some controls on this. Plus, we have to make sure our economy can sustain this kind of growth. So, to the people who are here, they're paying taxes. Look, I get it; many of them do. That's why they have iTunes in the first place. I can respect that. But you know what? There's limits. There, there's there's a hard limit, and, is, and there and there are no easy answers. But I, I certainly don't think it makes sense that when we're struggling right now, when we're trying to get a hold on our country amid a how many Americans, citizens right now, taxpaying citizens who, through no fault of their own, have just lost their jobs, and you're saying, yeah, 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 I know about them, but what about the people who came here illegally? No, dude. It's not so much about the idea of America first. It's about taking care of America properly. And it's about, I guess you can call it a kind of economic triage. Someone who was born here, paid their taxes their whole life, is a part of our community versus somebody who showed up within the past few years or whatever, violated our laws, violates our laws to this day. And the only reason they're paying taxes because the IRS, well, the IRS wants that money and they won't share the information with Homeland Security. So there's a segment there, and the idea is like, well, it's better they're paying. There's limits. It's not sustainable. Let's read more. They say, we quote, we must put meaningful resources into the pockets of those hardest hit by the coronavirus. Immigrant families must be included. You're talking about illegal immigrants and foreign investors. This is the the, the funniest part of the whole thing, because they can't say illegal immigrant because they know people would revolt. You know, it's really funny. Right now, New York's hospitals are being overrun. They are, we are nearing our capacity. There's a funny uh, uh, meme about, you know, it's like, why, why can't the U.S what, what is it? we have hundreds of thousands of people in the hospital for the flu every year. How are we all of a sudden overrun? Because it's happening all at once in single locations, and it's happening fast. Just because from January 1st to December 31st, you have hundreds of thousands of people spread it across the entire country, right? That doesn't mean we can handle it all now. People said the flu is worse. All right. From October 1st to February 1st, the CDC's low end estimate is 12,000 deaths from the flu in the entirety of the US. That is four deaths per hour in the entirety of the US. In New York, the other day, they had 100. That is four, more than four deaths per hour in one state. Well, let's get back to the other issue. I don't want to rant on that. Any stimulus package passed that doesn't support immigrants, she means illegal immigrants, isn't doing its job as a stimulus package. It's unclear whether Ocasio-Cortez or any of her Democrat uh, colleagues plan to obstruct passage of the bill if their demands are not met. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi plans to hold a vote on Friday, but will be forced to use a procedural loophole because the chamber is not in session and members are currently scattered in their home districts. Well, Thomas Massey, the Republican, apparently wants a recorded vote, so everyone's rushing back full speed to get to, to, to D.C. to vote on this. Look, I don't know if now's the time for this. Let's get the bill passed. But hey, this is Congress's job. So if they got to fly back, as long as we're not delaying this, let's just get it through, man. And no, I do not think illegal immigrants should get access to this stuff. They say Pelosi wants to, uh, plans to hold a voice vote asking for yays and nays from anyone present in this chamber and recording whichever she determines is louder. <laughs> that basically means she's going to pass it. However, the voice vote could be derailed if any member objects And there isn't a quorum across the nation. Millions who have lost their jobs due to the pandemic and mandatory business shutdowns will be watching the House vote as they wait for a lifeline. And they want to make sure that while you're out of work, people who came to this country illegally can get that sweet, juicy stimulus package just like you, because it's not about you. You've done everything right. You're a member of this country, you know, a citizen of this country. And then someone showed up a year, two years ago, three years ago, and now they should get that money too. And you should pay for it. Because make no mistake, a stimulus package is us borrowing money from ourselves in the future. It will dramatically increase the national debt. It's going to devalue currency. It's going to result in hyperinflation. It could. It could. I'm not an economist. Well, I'd like to show you what an I-10 is. Let me see if I can get this. You know, Wikipedia is not going to let me. Check check this out. They say an, uh, an individual taxpayer identification number is the United States tax processing number issued by the Internal Revenue Service. It is a nine-digit number, beginning with the number nine. And as a range, yeah, yeah, we get it. They say, regardless of immigration status, both resident and non-resident aliens may have federal tax return and payment responsibilities under the IRS. Individuals must have a filing requirement and file a valid federal income tax to receive an ITIN unless they meet an exception. An ITIN application cannot be filed electronically. The application must be attached to a valid uh, federal income tax return. Let me see if I can find the appropriate. Here we go. 1.4 million people used ITINS when filing tax returns. Federal tax law generally prohibits the IRS from sharing data with other government agencies, including Homeland Security, assuring unauthorized aliens that the tax information will be confidential and generally will not be used to initiate removal procedures. ITINS are also used by real estate brokers to facilitate mortgages for unauthorized aliens. In addition, to use by unauthorized aliens. ITINs are used by foreign investors in the United States, uh, in United States real estate. Such investors need ITINs to file federal and state returns to report rental income. Do those people deserve access to our stimulus package? I'm gonna go go on a limb here. No, you're a foreign real estate investor. You know how many Chinese foreign foreign real estate investors we have? We have a lot. You think they deserve access? We get it you want illegal immigrants to get access to the stimulus package um, off the backs of the American people. Now, they're saying this stimulus package is coming off the backs of working immigrants. Lies. Illegal immigrants are different from from authorized immigrants. I was going to say regular, but not authorized. I'm I'm trying to to be inoffensive to the best of my abilities. So here you can see, what is an ITIN really for? And for the most part, it is illegal immigrants. Why? Well, as we just learned, if you are a permanent resident, a work a work visa holder or a citizen, you you are eligible for a social security number. You won't get an ITIN. So who's getting it? Illegal immigrants and real estate investors, foreign real estate investors. How does that make sense? Yeah, AOC is trying to weasel her way around the fact, and she they call them immigrants, and and, and now they're including, you know, I'll be a little bit hyperbolic, Chinese land investors in getting access to our stimulus package. They say Across the nation. Oh, we read that one. For those with a social security number, everyone earning up to $75,000 in adjusted gross income, the income on your tax return will receive a $1,200 payment under the stimulus bill if it passes in the house. The payment steadily declines for those who make more and phases out for those who earn more than 99000 For married couples, both both adults receive $1,200 with the phase out starting at 1, 150000 of income, and falling to zero for couples who earn $198,000. And so uh, you don't have to do anything. Apparently, if you filed taxes in uh, uh, your 2018 taxes in 2019, apparently they have all your information already. If you did direct deposit for your refund, they got it already. And according to the New York Times, you'll just wake up one day and see money in your bank. Go and spend that. Now, there's going to be long-term repercussions. We are borrowing from ourselves. This means that this money is being injected into the economy, And there's no labor or value behind it. So it will kickstart things. But typically, when people are trading, there's there's a production of value. Money is not value. Money is a trade medium. And what the government is hoping is that because everything's stagnating, we got to pay rent on the first. I don't think we're gonna be able to do it. Too little, too late. I think we're in dire straits. So I guess we'll see what happens. The bill's huge cash infusion for hospitals expecting to flood uh, uh, huge cash infusion for hospitals expecting a flood of COVID-19 patients totals an estimated 130 billion. Another 45 billion would fund additional relief through FEMA by local response efforts and commu- community services. One of the most contentious issues concerned 500 billion for uh, for guaranteed subsidized loans to larger industries, which Ocar- Ocasio-Cortez called war- corporate welfare. Yeah, uh, because companies have employees too. What Trump plus the Senate GOP have done is hold the hospitals, working people, and the vulnerable hostage so they can get in $500 billion that will be leveraged into $4 trillion in corporate welfare, she tweeted. Without the Wall Street giveaway, GOP refuses to fund hospitals and employment. It's inhumane. Look, man, I'm not a big fan of giving big cash bailouts to major corporations, but we're not talking about a bailout for the bank industry that's you know screwed themselves over, or, or to an extent, the auto industry, which was falling through their own problems. We're talking about a virus that shocked the economy, Man, I'll tell you what, April 1st is going to be, it's going to be the next wave, the next big stone dropped in that like, whoosh, and that wave's going to go out and you're going to feel it. It's going to come, you know, a week or two later, we're going to see how bad it really gets. We're going to see way more layoffs. Unemployment claims, what, they're going to spike to six, 10 million? I don't know. So the the, the idea that the, the, uh, that the Democrats think these corporations should just go under is absurd to me. Even one of the ideas they've said is that, but if we give the stimulus package to the people, the people will buy products, trickle down, doesn't work. Okay, I agree. Except no one's flying on airlines right now or going to movie theaters. Boeing does need to, to sustain itself through this economic crisis as well. I'm not a big fan of Boeing. I'm not a big fan of any of these big you know contractors or whatever. But what do we do? Do we let tens of thousands, 100,000 plus people go, lose their jobs because an industry collapsed? Or do we say everyone gets access, access? And that includes some theaters and colleges too. There are criticisms from conservatives saying, why are these performing arts centers getting all this money? Yeah, I don't like that either. And perhaps the amount of money they're getting is too much. But listen, man, the alternatives are worse. I think if we don't get things going again, people don't realize how, how close we are to the precipice. We are, we are inching towards the edge of that cliff and we are starting to look down. I don't know if this is going to be enough or fast enough. Many people have said too little, too late. So how about we get our priorities straight, AOC? And we stop worrying about people who are not citizens because then what? People rush in and just try and file something to get access to our funds. We, we cannot give access to our hospitals that are already beleaguered. It's just not going to work. Resources are finite. I can't imagine what's happening in New York City, but I'll tell you what. If it turns out that many non-citizens are getting, you know, mostly illegal immigrants are getting access to our crippled healthcare system, you will see Americans revolt. You absolutely will. It's so easy to say all of these empty platitudes and virtue signal about immigration up until it's your family that needs to be in the hospital. Let me remind all of you of a dangerous and terrifying reality. First, I'll say my heart goes out to anybody who's sick. I want everyone to survive. Triage exists for a reason. Even I, an American citizen, will likely not get access to a hospital for a broken arm or something right now because they're in desperate need for beds for COVID patients. That's how we're prioritizing things. But recently we learned that many hospitals are preparing to announce or or contemplating a universal do not resuscitate order, regardless of the wishes of the patient or the family. So I want you to consider something. The hospitals are talking about this because they're under strain. They are under stress. They don't have enough beds. They don't have enough ventilators. Now there's, there's arguments about whether they are or they aren't. Not every hospital is on the verge of collapse, but some are overloading. There will come a point when one of these hospitals says we cannot resuscitate your mother, your father, your brother, your sister. Why? Because there's too many people. And with what AOC and others have proposed giving illegal immigrants and Bernie Sanders, illegal immigrants access to our, to our healthcare system. And again, I sympathize. We don't want anyone to die, but we need to set a hard line. You know why? There will come a time where you're standing in a hospital or or potentially and this is where it gets grim. And it'll be your mom. And she's in a bed with a ventilator and you are you are anxious, you are shaking, and all of a sudden her breathing stops. And the doctor comes up to you and you start screaming, "Please help her." And he says, "We can't. We can't. Universal DNR. Your mother will not get any aid. We're letting her go." And you're going to you're going to want to know why. Why? It's cuz the hospital's overloaded. And if they have their way Bernie Sanders, AOC, Joe Biden, whoever else, giving access to our limited healthcare system to non citizens, that will increase the likelihood people in America experience things like this. How insane and nightmarish would it be? Now, look, I don't want the the, the illegal immigrants, the people who are, you know, the non citizens to die. I really, really don't. But there's a hard reality to life, and it's that medical supplies are limited. You want to call it a human right, that's fine, but there's only so many doctors as we're learning now. If we set a hard limit today, we cannot give health care to everyone on the planet, like Bernie Sanders said only a few months ago. Then we let these people know you must seek treatment elsewhere or go back to your home country where they probably have some kind of universal health care. But healthcare in this country is really good. So let me remind you, as these hospitals are comp- contemplating this, I don't think these doctors would turn away anybody who was on the verge of death or who was very, very sick from coronavirus and that includes illegal immigrants. But then I want, you know, AOC is going to have to answer to the people when they're wondering why the doctor said we are not going to try to save this patient. It's just too great a risk. We're under too much stress. And a contributing factor is that the beds are full and some of them are non-citizens. And if the strain was lower, perhaps they could have saved your family. Now, I want to, I want to stress, I'm not saying that the reason they're doing universal uh, do not resuscitate is specifically because of overload or because of illegal immigrants or, or anything like that. I'm just saying that universal DNRs or the potential that they don't save your family member could be because they're treating illegal immigrants. You will see Americans revolt if they bring their mom, their grandma, their wife to the hospital. And the doctor says, we have no beds. And it turns out non-citizens are using them. People are going to freak out. I'm not saying this to disparage anybody. I'm just saying this is what we have to consider. There, there is a certain, you know, when you're, when you're in a crisis situation, you have to ration what little you have. And so, all these people who said that healthcare was a human right, you now learn the reality. No, it isn't. You could show up to a hospital and they say, There are no beds. Where's your right to healthcare now? The reality is, we need more hospitals, we need more beds, we need emergency supplies. But there is a finite number of doctors and nurses in beds. So, stop playing games. The world isn't candy cane and rainbows. It's not Elysium where the rich people are just keeping you out of the hospitals for no reason because resources are finite. And unfortunately, healthcare is not a human right. But if there is access, if there are resources available, they'll try to save your life. But eventually the hospitals will get overloaded like now. And now people are going to learn the hard way. It is not. You'll show up and they'll say, we can't help you. And that's the scary future. I'll see you on the next segment coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. Donald Trump has called for the ousting of GOP Congressman Thomas Massey ahead of a vote on the stimulus package. Democrats and Republicans in the Senate have agreed upon the terms. And now Thomas Massey wants a, a recorded vote, meaning people in the House will have to press yes, no, or present on this bill. And one of the biggest criticisms we're seeing from people who support Massey and Massey himself is that basically a ton of this money, a lot of the debt that the, Americans, the American people will, in, will accrue, is going to big bailouts, big corporations. The American people are going to see very little of this. And they are slush things for Democrats like $25 million for the JFK performing arts centers. Many people are concerned that this bill negotiated by Democrats and Republicans is a really, really awful bill with way too much junk in it that is exploiting a crisis because it's the opportunity, right? Just like the Democrats, some Republicans are concerned that even Republicans have put too much junk in this bill. But Thomas Massey says he's not delaying this the same way Pelosi did by holding up the vote to uh, to demand that certain things get added to it. He's just saying everyone's got to put their name on it, basically, while Trump is not happy with it. And this this is a tough call. I'm seeing so many people on Twitter say the bill is garbage. I stand with Thomas Massey. We shouldn't be putting this through. And I'm sitting here like, I hear you, man it's 800 plus pages, probably full of a bunch of gunk and garbage. Are we going to get a perfect bill? Can the Democrats and Republicans actually do their job? Probably not, which is why I've said repeatedly, get them all out. I don't care. Here's the bigger problem. April 1st is coming. How many times I got to say it? And what happens when people don't have any money? This may be too little, too late. So fine, whatever. Maybe this doesn't even matter because we are what? Only four days away from when rent rent checks don't come in And the next wave of industry gets shattered in this country. So for me, I'm kind of thinking, we've got a major fire burning in our country. And you've got people fighting over the water bucket for not being too big or someone splashed weird stuff in it. Some people are saying, I'll only throw this water if I get what I want. And they're fighting while everything is burning down around us. Maybe we have to to pass it. Look, I understand the people who who are upset with this bill. And they don't want to see these, you know, politicians start to take money from the American people, making us take on this debt. And then they get their benefits for their pet projects. Maybe, maybe there's no answer. Maybe there's none. Because one of the concerns Thomas Massey brings up is what people get 1200 bucks. And then there's trillions of dollars going to other garbage. That doesn't make sense. But I don't know. I think, you know, industries need money too. But let's, let's read this first story. And then Thomas Massey has responded. By the time you watch this, maybe it will will be passed, but this is breaking and very important news right now. Politico reports, President Donald Trump on Friday called for uh, ousting from the Republican Party a GOP congressman who has signaled that he could hold up an impending House vote on the Senate's $2 trillion coronavirus emergency relief package. Looks like a third rate grandstander named Rep. Thomas Massey, a congressman from unfortunately a truly great state, Kentucky, wants to vote against the new Save Our Workers bill in Congress. Trump wrote on Twitter. I don't think that's what Massey is saying. He put out an official statement saying he wants a recorded vote. What Pelosi wanted to do was just have everyone say yay or nay. And then she would just simply go, you know, or I, the eyes have it and bang the gavel instead of actually going through each individual, having them press that button. Massey wants people to put their name on this. That could obstruct the bill because there are some people who might not want to actually vote on it. There are many people who would probably say nay, and they would give it to the eyes anyway. But now that he's calling for a recorded vote, we very well may see. Somebody votes no. And this this bill may not pass. I honestly don't know, but let's read a little bit more. House Republican leadership has been concerned that Rep. Thomas Massey will move to demand a recorded tally as opposed to a voice vote on the historic stimulus measure, throwing a last minute hurdle into the legislation's path to the president's desk. The threat has forced dozens, if not hundreds of lawmakers to return to Washington from their home districts, navigating across interstates and through airports at a time when public health officials have urged Americans to avoid non-essential travel in large groups. Quote, he just wants the publicity. He can't stop it, only delay, which is both dangerous and costly, Trump tweeted. Workers and small businesses need money now in order to survive. Virus wasn't their fault. It's hell dealing with Dems had to give up something stupid in order to get the big picture done. 90% great. Win back the House, but throw Massey out of the Republican Party. Now, I'm I'm not a fan of kicking people out of the party because they stand on principle. I do not believe that Massey is doing this because he wants publicity. I think he wants people to stamp their name on it. I think he might vote no, but the bill might still pass. But he wants everyone to know he opposed it. Think about what's going to happen. Look, there's probably a lot of gunk in this, like I said, but we're in an emergency circumstance. I kind of don't think it's fair. Man, politics is awful, isn't it? In a few years or in a year, we're going to look back and say, how did this make it in? This is awful. This bailout sucked. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy to look back and say, why did I do that when you weren't standing next to a burning building? And there's the challenge. Yes, I definitely think politicians, both Republican and Democrat, are exploiting a crisis to get things they want. I think the Democrats held this up to inject things they want. So maybe it shouldn't pass. I don't know. But man, we don't put this fire out soon. There's not going to be anything to complain about. The economy is going to collapse. The industries are going to take a hit. But you know what? It might be too late anyway, because the people are going to miss rent, period. Cheesecake Factory. I know it's silly. Cheesecake Factory said they aren't going to pay rent, but these are malls. These are big industries. These are these are chain restaurants saying no rent for their landlords. And that includes security staff, groundskeepers, maintenance, administrative managers at big malls. So what happens? More people get laid off more industries collapse, and the malls are already hurting as it is. In another message, the president sought to target Massey's status as chairman of the conservative House Second Amendment Caucus, writing, by empowering the radical left Democrats, do nothing Kentucky politician Thomas Massey is making their war on the Second Amendment more and more difficult to win. But don't worry, we'll win anyway, he says. He is a disaster for America and for the great state of Kentucky. Massey reached out to Trump, but it is not clear whether they connected according to two sources. They say uh, Politico says they previously reported that House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, House Minority Whip Steve Scalise, had been in contact with Massey and that the White House was aware of the potential obstacle he posed to the package's final passage. Nancy Pelosi announced on Thursday that the House would vote Friday on the legislation, sending lawmakers scrambling back to the Capitol after they were previously told they would have at least 24 hours notice if they needed to return. Take a look at what Thomas Massey has said. I'm going to show you what he said. In 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 an 11 tweet message, he said, I swore an oath to uphold the Constitution and I take that oath seriously. In a few moments, I will request a vote on the CARES Act, which means members of Congress will vote on it by pushing yes, no, or present. The Constitution requires that a quorum of members be present to conduct business in the House. Right now, millions of essential working class Americans are still required to go to work during this pandemic such as manufacturing line workers, healthcare professionals, pilots, grocery clerks, cooks, chefs, delivery drivers, auto mechanics, and janitors. Is it too much to ask that the House do its job just like the Senate did? Well, you know, he's got a good point there. I'll tell you what. I am not delaying the bill like Nancy Pelosi did last week. The bill that was worked on in the Senate late last week was much better before Speaker Pelosi showed up to destroy it and add days and days to the process. This bill should have been voted on much sooner in both the Senate and the House, and it shouldn't be stuffed full of Nancy Pelosi's pork, including 25 million dollars for the Kennedy Center, grants to the National Endowment for Humanities and Arts, and millions more. Other measures that have no direct relation to the coronavirus pandemic, that 25 million, for example, should go directly for uh, to purchasing test kits the number one priority of this bill should have been to expand testing availability and creation of tests. I got to say, I agree with him on this one. Look, this is going to pass. It doesn't seem like he's shutting it down like Pelosi did to inject a bunch of pork. Maybe the bill wasn't as good. Maybe it's worse now, but he's making a good point about Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats injecting garbage into this. He says, uh, it should have been, uh, the number one priority of the bill should, uh, should have been to expand testing availability ability for the creation of tests so that every American, not just the wealthy and privileged, have access to testing. We have shut down the world's economy without adequate data. Everyone, even those with no symptoms, need immediate access to a test. This bill creates even more secrecy around a Federal Reserve that still refuses to be audited. It allows the Federal Reserve to make decisions about who gets what, how much money will print with no transparency. If getting us into $6 trillion more debt doesn't matter, then why are we not getting $350 trillion more in debt so that we can just give a check of $1 million to every person in the country? This stimulus should go straight to the people rather than being funneled through banks and corporations like this bill is doing. Now, this I kind of disagree with. $2 trillion divided by 150 million workers is about $13,333 per person. That's much more than the $1,200 per person check authorized by this bill. I could be wrong, but it's been reported across the board that furloughed workers will also be getting four months of guaranteed wages from the government in unemployment benefits, plus an additional 600. This is one thing that many Republicans were upset about saying, if you're going to get your salary plus 600 bucks, then it's easier just to get, you'll, 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 you'll benefit by being laid off. But apparently- Bernie Sanders and a bunch of progressives said, "Oh heavens, we're going to give workers a little bit extra." you know so I guess that objection was was you know negated to a certain degree. They voted to pass it. I think Massey's right on some things. I think he's wrong on other things. Corporations need money. I'm not a big fan of massive corporate power, but what do we say like we're going to give money to people. Let, 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 me, let me put it this way: if we give a ton of money to people to stimulate the economy, where are they going to spend it? Oh, I I get it. You know, they can go to the store and buy food and pay rent. That's great. The essentials. But what about any other part of the economy? And what about the employees at those establishments? These people can't go to Cheesecake Factory and they can't go to the local restaurant to buy things because they're not open. They've suspended service to to a great deal. They're stuck at home. Those restaurants then can't pay their staff. This includes big business, big chains. If people can't fly, this means the airlines are in trouble. I do not like the idea of giving massive sums of money to airlines, especially if they're going to if they're going to give big bonuses to their executives, which maybe they can do under this bill. I'm not entirely sure, but I don't know what the answer is, buddy. So I, I can I can respect at least one aspect of this. If all that's happening is people are going to vote on it. Hard vote. I kind of like it. I do. This is not, in my opinion, a hard delay like we saw with Pelosi. That's a very important point. But he is kind of holding things up a little bit. I don't think it'll be a big deal. They'll vote on it and it'll take a a few minutes longer. That's not really a big deal. But then we're going to get a name of everyone who said yes, no, or present. Now I do, I want to reiterate, I think it's a bit unfair to put someone, even a politician, under duress and then say, aha, but you supported it. And that's what's going to happen. Look, man, the bill's probably garbage. And Pelosi and, and Schumer wanted to inject their garbage in it. Fine. I get it. But are we really going to look back at the politicians who said my constituents are about to see their world end unless we vote on this and then blame them for it? Maybe. The Patriot Act was awful and it shouldn't have been passed. There was so much wrong with that thing. Absolute terrible trash. And it was massive and they didn't read it. But, but that's you know a, a bit different. That was fear. Today we're dealing with fear, but real economic consequences. Thomas Massey tweeted this uh, just the other day, la- last, uh, yesterday morning. He says 2 trillion from Congress, 4 trillion from the Fed and the Treasury, a 6 trillion dollar stimulus. 6 trillion divided by 350 million citizens, 17,000 per citizen, times a family of 4. 68,000 per family of new stimulus debt and dollar devaluation in the stimulus not a good deal. I don't know how the math plays out cuz a lot of people seem to ignore the fact that they're going to be paying wages for 4 months. At least I've seen that reported across the board things are pretty confusing. I got to admit the house is on fire. The economy, which my understanding literally means household management is on fire. Our, 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 our home is burning to the ground and people are fighting every which way. I, I don't know necessarily who's right or who's wrong. The only thing I can really see is that people don't understand how delicate the economy is. And as I mentioned many times, the rent thing happening, that's going to ripple out again, the landlords, the building, the building maintenance, the plumbing, the electricians, all of the industries t- are tied together. We all rely on each other. And it, and it seems like a sinkhole is forming and it's slowly pulling in more and more. <sighs> do we vote out these people in November? That's what Trump is saying. He's saying, pass it now, vote them out in November. Maybe that's the best we can do. I don't know. By the time you watch this, maybe the bill was passed. We'll see what happens. But at least now we have a general understanding why Trump is mad at this guy. And as much as I'm not, you know, I don't normally do like these big breaking, short blip kind of stories. This one's really important, so I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up at 4 p.m. YouTube.com slash Timcast. It's my main channel, and I will see you all then. Because every single thing the president does or says must be wrong, MSNBC's Chris Hayes said Trump was absolutely wrong to claim that people were talking about shutting down our economy for two years. He said literally no one has ever said that. Well, Christopher Hayes, you're wrong because Harvard has said it and so has MIT. It's very likely that, or I, I don't want to say very likely, but it's possible. We're dealing with something much more serious than a one time shutdown. And it may be true that we cannot ever stop this virus. New stories coming out of China are rather alarming. Mystery in Wuhan. Recovered coronavirus patients tests negative, then positive. That's right. People who got sick and then got better, have gotten sick again. Now it's possible they never really got better. Maybe they had some of the virus in them. There was one story about a woman who maybe had the virus, but then after she got better, it went into her lungs and she got worse. Or it could be, it it, it could also be this is biphasic or multiphasic, meaning your body goes through different stages of the virus. Or the absolute worst case scenario is that even after your body defeats the virus, it's possible you catch it again. One of the things people are talking about is potential viral load. This basically means that for most for, for anybody, if you breathe in a ton of the virus, you will get severe symptoms. This is why medical workers are, are are at risk. They're not just being exposed to one virus here and there. They're exposed to all of these different patients. NPR has a story. They say a spate of mysterious second time infections is calling into question the accuracy of COVID-19 diagnostic tools, even as China prepares to lift quarantine measures to allow residents to leave the epicenter of its outbreak next month. It's also raising concerns of a possible second wave of cases. Now, it could just be, or actually, no, I shouldn't even say that. I was going to say, we expect, you know, the reason why MIT and Harvard said we might be locked down for a couple of years is because, you know, let's say 10% of the population catches it. doesn't. You then open society back up and all of those people who never caught it might catch it for the first time. Meaning we have to go in waves until we finally get a handle on this. If what we're hearing is actually that people can re-catch this, and we've heard that story before, we can't do anything. What can we really do? Lock down permanently for a year just to make sure it goes away completely? I mean, that would get rid of a ton of other diseases. But right now, China has begun locking down again. From The Guardian, China recloses all cinemas over coronavirus fears in an abrupt reversal of policy. China's film film bureau has ordered all venues that had reopened to cease trading immediately. This is the worst case scenario, man. Let's read more from NPR. They say from March 18th to the 22nd, the Chinese city of Wuhan reported no new cases of the virus through domestic transmission. That is infection passed on from one person to another. The achievement was seen as a turning point in efforts to contain the virus, which has infected more than 80,000 people in China. Wuhan was particularly hard hit, with more than half of all confirmed cases in the country. But some Wuhan residents who had tested positive earlier and then recovered from the disease are testing positive for the virus a second time, based on data from several quarantine facilities in the city, which uh, which house patients for further observation after their discharge from hospitals. About 5 to 10% of patients pronounced recovered have tested positive again. Now, here's where it actually gets potentially worse. Some of those who retested positive appear to be asymptomatic carriers. Those who carry the virus and are possibly infectious, but do not exhibit any of the illnesses associated symptoms, suggesting that the outbreak in Wuhan is not close to being over. I might add, China is lying. I don't believe their numbers. Two of them are frontline doctors who were sickened after treating patients in their Wuhan hospitals. The two, the other two are Wuhan residents. They all requested anonymity when speaking with NPR because those who have challenged the government's handling of the outbreak have been detained. One of the Wuhan residents who spoke to NPR exhibited severe symptoms during their first round of illness and was eventually hospitalized the second resident displayed only mild symptoms at first and was quarantined in one of more than a dozen makeshift treatment centers erected in Wuhan during the peak of the outbreak. But when both were tested a second time for the coronavirus on Sunday, March 22nd, as a precondition for seeking medical care for unrelated health issues, they tested positive for the coronavirus, even though they exhibited none of the typical symptoms, such as a fever or dry cough. The time from their recovery and release to the retest ranged from a few days to to a few weeks. Could that second positive test mean a second round of infections? Virologists think it is unlikely that a COVID-19 patient could be reinfected so quickly after recovery, but caution that it is too soon to know. Under its newest COVID-19 prevention guidelines, China does not include in uh, in its overall daily count for total and for new cases, those who retest positive after being released for medical care. China also does not include asymptomatic cases in case counts. Quote, I have no idea why the authorities choose not to count asymptomatic cases in the official case count. I am baffled, said one of the Wuhan doctors who had a second positive test after recovering. These four people are now being isolated under medical observation. It is unclear whether they are infectious and why they tested positive after their earlier negative tests. First of all, China isn't counting people who literally have the virus but are asymptomatic. Now that's bad enough. We, we, we were assuming they were giving us bunk numbers. Now it may be the case. Yes, we're hearing the numbers may actually be, we, we, we may have some evidence. Here's the absolute worst case scenario. If the people who caught this virus retain some the, the virus and are infectious, but asymptomatic, that means no matter how long we bunker down, ev- people are going to be carrying this. Could it really be two years? And can, and can our economy survive this? I'm gonna have to say, I don't think it can. It's bad enough as it is. We're hearing about potential food shortages. We don't know. But can we bunker down for, for two years on and off, two months, locked down, one month off? I honestly don't think so. I mean, to be fair, I think humans are resilient and we may you know, get through this. But this sounds like the absolute worst case scenario. And, and worse still, these people are asymptomatic. Do we then carry the coronavirus permanently, never getting rid of it? And are others likely to actually get sick again, meaning the risk will persist? Perhaps there's nothing we can do. Perhaps the only thing we can do is slowly get back to work, recognizing this infection is going to be here to stay. Locking down might not actually solve the problem. They say it is possible, they were first given a false negative test result, which can happen if the swab used to collect samples of the virus misses bits of the virus. Dr. Li Wenliang, a whistleblowing doctor who later died of the virus himself, in February, tested negative for the coronavirus several times before being accurately diagnosed. And we do know that many of the tests China produced didn't work. In February, Wang Chen, a director at the state-run Chinese Academy of Medical Sciences, estimated that the nucleic acid tests used in China were accurate at identifying positive cases of the coronavirus only 30% to 50% of the time. Another theory is that because the test amplifies tiny bits of DNA, residual virus from the initial infection could have falsely resulted in that second positive reading. That's what we're hoping for, false positives. There are false positives with these types of tests. Dr. Jeffrey Shaman, a professor of environmental health and sciences at Columbia University, told NPR by email. Shaman recently co-authored a modeling study showing that transmission by individuals who did not exhibit any symptoms was a driver of the Wuhan outbreak. How, is, how real is China's recovery? On Tuesday, Hubei province, where Wuhan is the capital, said it would relax lockdown measures that have now been in place for more than two months and begin letting residents leave cities the following day. Wuhan said it would begin lifting its quarantine measures and letting residents leave two weeks later on April 8th. To leave Wuhan, residents must first test negative for the coronavirus, according to municipal authorities. Such screenings will, will identify some remaining asymptomatic virus carriers. But the high rate of false negatives that Chinese doctors have cited means many with the virus could pass undetected. Last Thursday, Wuhan reported for the first time since the outbreak began that it had no new cases of the virus from the day before, a milestone in China's virus containment efforts. The city reported a zero rise in new cases for the following four days, except we just heard they aren't counting asymptomatic carriers. People could could get this virus, become infected, and then have mild or no symptoms, but still be spreading this. China is lying, and we know it. Because as much as they're saying, we have no new cases, Ah, actions speak louder than words. They're locking down cinemas again. Why? Why? Because people are getting reinfected? because the lockdown didn't work? Is this what we have to look forward to? At what point do we, even the health experts like Dr. Fauci say, okay, now's the time to reopen up. And then we start seeing more infections and then nope, lo and behold, the infection rate starts spiking rapidly and quickly again. And then we got a lockdown. We can't survive that way for long. Our economy will dra- dramatically change, but people are going to lose their lives if the economy isn't working. There are a lot of people who want to drag the president because he's saying we need to get the economy up and running. And they just, I, I see these people, and it seems like all they really care about is orange man bad. No, there are good reasons to keep the economy closed, I will absolutely admit. And there are good reasons and a good argument to get the economy up and running again. Notably this, maybe we can't win. It's, it's going to be an ongoing debate over whether or not we do kickstart this by April 12th, April 24th, whatever the date may be. All I know is we're looking at two really awful circumstances, and everyone thinks they have the right answers. I wish many people would put down their sabers and stop screeching orange man bad. Trump has said he's going to talk to the health experts, but he's setting this. He's setting this this goal. Dr. Fauci said, well, it's it's an aspirational goal, but he's trying to give hope to people. And the media made it seem like they're fighting with each other. No, I think they're in agreement. Trump said, we want to get it open by Easter. We will talk with health experts. What more could he say? We're in serious trouble if we don't get the economy going again. April 1st is coming. I got a couple more segments in a few minutes. Stick around. I will see you all shortly. And now it has begun. Checkpoints in between the states themselves. Will this mean that moving forward as the coronavirus epidemic gets worse, the pandemic gets worse, we will actually see states set up real border crossing checkpoints? We're almost at that point. Dare I say? We, I mean, I think it's fair to say we're actually there. But will it escalate? I don't know. Rhode Island, wants to quarantine anyone coming from New York. So what does that mean? The National Guard is going to be checking bus stations and train stations. If, you, if you're coming off, they're going to check your IDs, just like any other international border. And if you're driving in with New York license plates, they will stop you and collect your information. Now it's not a hard restriction, like you need a passport to get in certain countries. But this is the beginning of something truly incredible. The states themselves locking down borders. Think about all the people who called and clamored for open borders. Now we're seeing not just, I mean, this is beyond a complete reversal. This is a, a lurch super far in the complete other direction in Europe, in the Eurozone, the Schengen zone. We just saw a post on Reddit where they're celebrating the anniversary of the Schengen zone, where you could be in Europe and freely travel to any other country without needing a passport. But now amid the pandemic, Countries within the Schengen zone are closing their borders, something they haven't done in decades. Checkpoints being set up. And I wondered, will the United States see this kind of restriction in our our own country? And dare I say it has begun. From Patch, coronavirus in Rhode Island, anyone coming from New York ordered to quarantine. They say the number of cases of the new coronavirus spiked by 33 on Thursday, Governor Gina Raimondo announced. Starting immediately, Anyone coming into the state from New York state will be mandated to self-quarantine for 14 days, the governor said. Nearly half of the nation's cases of COVID-19 are from New York, particularly the New York City metro area, Raimondo said. And the number of cases is rising every day because of its geographical proximity to Rhode Island. This measure is necessary to keep the infection rate down, she said. No matter how you come to Rhode Island, bus, car, train, plane, you are ordered to quarantine for 14 days. In my judgment, this is the most prudent form of action in light of the crisis. I'll tell you what, that's not enough. It's not going to do anything. If people can come from New York into Rhode Island, there is nothing you can stop to, to, there's nothing you can do to prevent the spread of COVID-19 coming into Rhode Island. You can tell them to quarantine, but they're on the trains with everyone else. They're at the gas station with everyone else. They're pumping gas, same as everyone else. And people will touch that same pump in, in moments later and then they will get infected. The only real thing you can do if you're really concerned about it is shut down your borders, but we can't do that. I guess is the next best thing, but I don't think it's going to have any real, real effect. They uh, they say. Members of the National Guard will be stationed at train and bus stations to gather the contact information of anyone coming in from New York. In addition, the Rhode Island State Police will station troopers at the state border to flag down vehicles with New York license plates. The information collected will be used only for contact tracing by the Rhode Island Department of Health. This is different. This is unusual. This is radical, Raimondo said. I don't want anyone to panic. If anything, Rhode Islanders should breathe a sigh of relief. We are doing things to keep ourselves safe. This will do nothing. The order expands on Raimondo's orders from earlier this week, requiring anyone flying into the state, regardless of where they are coming from, to self-quarantine for 14 days. Members of the National Guard, have been stationed at TF Green Airport to collect the contact information of travelers. The order is not expected to have any impact on interstate shipping or commerce, Romano said, since it is aimed at people who are coming to live or stay stay in the state. State Police Colonel James Manny said troopers will only stop passenger vehicles, no tractor trailers or other commerce vehicles. Drivers will be asked where they are going, as well as for their address in Rhode Island and other identifying information. This is an unprecedented event in our history, Manny said. We are engaged to help with the public health and safety. We fully realize that there is a lot of stress and anxiety at this time. And I assure you that all troopers will be polite, professional, and treat people with dignity and respect. Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott, the director of health at Rhode Island Department of Health, said that the department is fully aware that there are more cases in Rhode Island than, we have, cur- than have currently been confirmed by testing. Because the state is still ramping up its testing ability testing is currently being prioritized for those who are deemed to be most at risk. Yeah, 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 we get it. They do this with with everyone. High risk uh, high risk testing only. Let's talk about borders, all right? I'm not going to I'm not going to go through the rest of what they're talking about in terms of their internal goings on because the bigger issue for me is the impact we're seeing. What's funny is that as Trump is trying to secure our borders, we see the far left come out and claim Trump is just trying to militarize the border. It's the far right. there. Leaked documents show customs and border protection requested more than 1,500 extra troops to guard the Canadian and Mexican borders. The nation reports the coronavirus is Trump's latest excuse to militarize the border. No matter what Trump does, they will scream that he's wrong, even when every other country is doing something similar. And as we look to the far left screeching once again about border security, what if I were to tell you that Mexico is actually attempted to secure its own border from us? That's right. Mexican citizens are upset that Americans are crossing the border amid this pandemic from the BBC. Mexicans demand a crackdown on Americans crossing the border. Oh, I'm sorry. But Trump's racist when he does it. Mexico isn't? Or are they? Are, Are the Mexicans here demanding no more Americans come in our country? Are they being bigots and racist too? Or is it an issue of national security in a pandemic? You tell me. The BBC reports, residents in Sonora, south of the US state of Arizona, have promised to block traffic into Mexico for a second day after closing a checkpoint for hours on Wednesday. They wore face masks and held signs telling Americans to stay at home. Mexico has fewer than 500 confirmed COVID cases, and the U.S. has over 65,000. Well, this story is from the 26th. Okay, so it's from yesterday. We have over 80,000 now. The border is supposed to be closed to all except essential business, but protesters said there there, there has been little enforcement and no testing by authorities. Let me tell you something. The number of cases in the U.S. are going up because we are testing more people. In Mexico, they aren't taking it that seriously. So it's very likely they have substantially more infections. But so long as this is the perception, they're going to say, no, Americans don't come into our country. Kind of a a funny circumstance, isn't it? The blockade was led by members of the group uh, Sonorans for Health and Life, who called for medical testing to be done on anyone who crosses from the US into Mexico. Jose Luis Hernandez, a group member, told the Arizona Republic, there are no health screenings by the federal government to deal with this pandemic. That's why we here in Nogales. That's why we're here in Nogales. We've taken this action to call on the Mexican president, Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador, to act now. The Mexican president has been criticized for his response to the pandemic, as has U.S. President Donald Trump. Yes, but the American people appreciate what the president is doing, and he is trying to secure the border. Mr. Hernandez said the Wednesday demonstrations were a first warning to Mr. Lopez Lopez Obrador, popularly known by his initials, AMLO. The group has called for enforcement of the crossing ban, On all U.S. or Mexican citizens for tourism or medical reasons, including those who cross the border every day to attend uh, school or work in the U.S., authorities must also conduct medical testing on Mexicans deported from the U.S., they said. The group have vowed to block the DeConcini checkpoint again after shutting it down on Wednesday afternoon. President Trump has made cutting the number of people crossing the border from Mexico into the U.S. a centerpiece of his administration. He blames border crossers from the South for bringing economic and social problems into the US. He announced last week that the frontier was to close due to coronavirus. And now, in what may be a weird, bizarro story, it's actually Mexicans protesting their government, demanding the border be shut down. Okay, the nation, can you please explain to me what your issue is? Mexican citizens themselves are complaining about this. Perhaps the border needs to be closed, and everyone agrees except you. Why? Well, they're progressives. They naturally just want to say whatever Trump does is bad, and they believe in open borders. I don't know if this writer believes in open borders, but many of them do. Now we can see how open borders really works. When the pandemic starts, Rhode Island sets up checkpoints. So yeah, I think the least we can do is secure international borders. The nation says CBP has requested 1,500 1500 US military personnel for border enforcement, citing immigrants' potential to spread infectious disease according to an internal Department of Homeland Security memo obtained exclusively by the nation. The memo, re- the memo requests 1,000 military personnel to support CBB operations in the northern border and an additional 540 for the southwest border, an operation it anticipates will last through September 30th. The troops stationed there would increase CBP's capacity to protect public health and prevent the spread of COVID-19 granting Border Patrol the ability to coordinate operational use of military assets and resources. I wonder what these protesters in Mexico would think of this. Perhaps they would agree. Americans aren't supposed to be crossing either. So it's up to American enforcement to actually stop these people crossing into Mexico as well. We don't want any. Look, if Mexico isn't taking this seriously and American citizens go over there, they can catch it and bring it back. We are enforcing our borders. Yes, these are trying times. We are telling people to shelter at home and some people aren't listening perhaps the best we can do is enforce the borders that are already in place. I'm not saying what Rhode Island is doing is good or bad. I honestly don't know. But I can tell you what they're doing is ineffective. If right now Americans can cross into Mexico and vice versa, ineffective. So you know what? The protesters and CBP are correct in saying we need more security. And if Rhode Island really wants to prevent the spread coming from New York, you got to block traffic. Of course, they can't do that we are allowed to travel between the states. So I don't know what the answer is. At the very least, if we can't shut down travel between the states and the virus is spreading internally, we can prevent people. Look, if someone from Mexico comes in here, they might get sick too. And if someone who's sick here, they could bring the sickness to people in Mexico. No no one's gonna be happy by that. We'll see how it plays out. But of course, the left will always slam Trump. Whatever he does, it's bad. I got one more segment coming up for you in a few minutes. Stick around. I will see you all shortly. There's been a ton of press attention about only older people and people with underlying conditions really being at risk. And that presents a serious problem. First of all, a lot of people don't trust the media, so they ignore the media when the media comes out and says, hey, take care of yourself. And many people just don't care because, well, they do trust the media. And the media kept saying over and over again, you'll be fine if you're young. It's only old people. We got a couple stories for you today, some sad ones. Well, one sad one. First, quote, I've coughed until my throat bled. Nashville woman 21 who bragged about not taking coronavirus seriously and scoffed at social distancing now regrets it after testing positive. That's right. Arrogant young people have been going out and partying. They've been going to beaches. They've just been saying, we don't care. We're going to be fine. Why? Well, the media has said over and over again, the people at risk are older people. And then we've seen people respond to this by saying, maybe we should tell young people to get back to work. Maybe, I don't know, but young people will still get sick and they will still die because the other sad story is that a 16 year old girl did die and she had no underlying conditions. French school girl, 16 with no underlying medical conditions becomes youngest person in Europe to die from coronavirus after a slight cough. We hear so many stories of people catching this, feeling a slight cough, and then one day just dying. That's why it's so serious. New York reported 100, I believe the number is 177 deaths in 24 hours. Congratulations, it surpassed the flu. Now you get it, right? Let's read the story. A 21-year-old woman from Tennessee who bragged online about not taking seriously social distancing uh, advice uh, surrounding COVID-19 has contracted the deadly virus. Ireland Tate from Nashville joked on social media about how she thought she would not contract the virus and ventured outside with a group of friends, despite strict instructions to stay at home amid the global pandemic. However, Days after posting the video, Tate tested positive for the deadly illness, according to WZTV. She has reported respiratory problems, a tightness in her chest, and even blood from too much coughing. Tate is believed to be at home with her parents under quarantine. She has since recanted on her initial position of making fun of social distancing measures and is urging other people to take the advice seriously. Previously, Tate had had taken to social media saying, So I'm aware that we're supposed to be self-quarantining and social distancing, all these things to keep everyone safe. Cool. I get it. I just don't think that I'm going to get the virus. Within days of saying that, Tate was suffering with symptoms associated with COVID-19. Here's the photo. She's wearing the mask. Tate said, Tate Tate had said, since she believes she caught the virus from friends who, like her, fail to take seriously directives against group gatherings, she and a group of 20 friends decided to get together at a mutual friend's house ignoring calls from Nashville city leaders to stay separated. In a subsequent video, Tate says, It feels like someone is sitting on my chest at all times. It's really hard to breathe. I've coughed until my throat has bled. And she's 21. She has gone on to say that while coronavirus may not appear to affect certain people who are, who are infected, you could be affecting someone's grandma or grandpa or aunt or uncle or sister. Coronavirus was initially believed to be particularly contagious among the elderly. But in recent weeks, more and more young people have also fallen victim. And this is what I said before. Now, not necessarily. What I was pointing out is that in research dealing with the Spanish flu, it hit the elderly first, and then a second wave came about in August of of 1918, hitting young people. Now, these people think they're invincible, but this is how it happens. Is it going to hit everybody? I don't know. Maybe not, but it's at least hitting some. The World Health Organization has warned younger generations that they are not immune to the virus urging them to avoid socializing and potentially passing COVID-19 to older and more vulnerable people. But just don't get sick yourself. You will get sick. Who, Director General Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus said the choice young people make about social distancing can be the difference between life and death. I'll tell you what, if you think it's funny and you don't care and it's all stupid, overhyped nonsense, then you go and get yourself infected by partying and ignoring this stuff. And then when you're, when you're struggling to breathe and coughing up blood, I hate to say I told you so. It's not the first person who has done something like this. Now let's move on to the sadder story. The real, the real ramifications of you getting someone else's sick, Get, of you getting someone else sick and a 16-year-old dying. Before we read this, I got to give a shout out to my sponsor, Virtual Shield, because I got be, to be honest with you. Almost all of these videos I do are demonetized, and I'm eternally grateful that I have sponsors that help keep my channels afloat or at least allow me to maintain my business when everyone is taking a hit. Virtual Shield is a virtual private network service. This means that when you use them, your data is routed through a server. I I'm, I'm hope I'm getting the deal details right. But basically, it obfuscates your information, makes it harder for nefarious actors to track what you're doing, be it hackers, private organizations, governments. They want to spy on your stuff. They can't do it for the most part. When, or I should say it makes it harder for them when you have a VPN. The reality is no security is perfect. But you, you still put a lock on your window You still put a lock on your front door, even though, you know, if someone really wanted to, they can kick the door in. But the lock is that simple layer of security that you have. You don't want someone just walking in, right? VPNs are similar. It's not perfect, but it is an important layer of security. Right now, if you go to hidewithtim.com, they've got 30% off at $3.50 per month. Seriously, these guys really helped me out because everyone is getting hit by this. So Again, hidewithtim.com, 30% off if you would like to get a VPN service. My eternal gratitude to, to Virtual Shield. But let's get back to the story. French schoolgirl 16 with no underlying medical conditions becomes youngest person in Europe to die from coronavirus after developing a slight cough. They say a bright and much loved French schoolgirl with no underlying conditions died of coronavirus. Tributes were being held were being paid to Julie Elliott. It's probably pronounced different in French, Elio, 16, who succumbed to respiratory problems in, in a Paris hospital on Wednesday after first developing a slight cough a week ago. We must stop believing that this virus only affects the elderly, said her heartbroken sister, Manon. Fra- France's prime minister warned today that a likely spike in cases will put the country's health system under tremendous strain. Officials fear that hospitals around Paris could be saturated within 48 hours. Julie's sister added, No one is invincible against this mutant virus. Julie just had a slight cough last week. It got worse last weekend with mucus, and on Monday, we went to see a general practitioner. It was there that she was diagnosed with respiratory distress. She had no particular illness before this. Menon agreed to speak with the Parisian newspaper and to release a photograph of her sister because she wanted to warn others about the risk of coronavirus to young people. Until now, many people have thought that only the old are in danger of dying because of the virus. Julie was from Longgemo in the Essonne department south of Paris and was studying at high school while living with her family. She was first rushed to her local family doctors on Tuesday and then transferred to the Necker Hospital in Paris. Her lungs failed, said Menon. The doctors did everything they could, but it was impossible to wake her up. Manon and her mother arrived at the hospital after Julie's death. It was violent, she said. We had time to see her, but we quickly had to think about, about the future. Menon said Julie was bright and much loved and loved to dance and sing and make people laugh. It's unbearable, said Julie's mother, Sabine. She just had a mild cough that she tried to cure with syrup, herbs, and inhalations. On Saturday, Julie began to be short of breath. She was having a hard time catching her breath. Then came the coughing fits. These persuaded the family to take her to a GP, a general general practitioner, who called the emergency services. They arrived in full overalls, masked and gloves. This was another dimension. This is sad, man. Her funeral will take place on Monday in her hometown, but with only 10 people maximum taking part. I read a story from one of these doctors, and while these stories will tell you that these people are coughing, having coughing fits, what you're not hearing because I think they're trying to spare you the gruesome details, in one of the stories I read, this was from ProPublica, uh, Pro people's lungs fill fill with fluid, and then no amount of oxygen actually gets in their lungs, so it feels like they are suffocating or drowning. They have a ventilator in their in their mouth, and they they become irrational and panicked. Instinctively, they feel like whatever's in their mouth or throat is obstructing them, so they try ripping out the ventilators. People have to be restrained as their brain goes into survival mode and just starts thrashing violently. That's what happens to people when they suffocate. And that's the reality of what happens to these people, these young people, anyone, when they're in a hospital. We have an exponentially increasing number of uh, patients, and the hospitals in these hot spots can't handle it. And because the media is untrustworthy, it becomes impossible to know what's really happening. First, you have media lies saying these treatments are bunk. Don't take them. Trump is a bad man. So people say, OK, they believe it. You hear the stories from the media saying the only people at risk really are the elderly. And it was even government, government officials saying very much the same thing, like in New York with Bill de Blasio. But then you have the media telling you stories like this. This is where it gets truly terrifying. They will try to warn you. I will try to warn you. This is serious and young people die. Do not take this lightly. I will tell you it's serious. And while many people who watch me choose to, and they probably trust me, many people don't trust the media. And so when they see these stories, they say, "Ah, I don't believe it. It's an outlier. It's one person. And here's the poll from Gallup. Uh, The media ranks the lowest in terms of their handling of the coronavirus outbreak. So even though they may try and warn you or they may downplay it, people are over it. And if we can't get accurate information, people ignore it. They laugh. They think they're invincible. And then they die. So, you know, we we saw that one guy went on spring break in Miami, apologize, saying it was a mistake. We see this young woman now in Nashville who's coughing up blood, apologizing, saying it was a mistake. But for some of these young people, it's too late. They don't take it seriously. They get sick and they die. I don't don't know if this young woman who's 16 took it seriously or didn't. The story doesn't say that she was flaunting the self-isolation. But the other people did. And you can see that if you do this and you get your friends sick and they die, you could have stopped it. I'll leave it there. Thanks for hanging out. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel, and I will see you then.